Hey guys, before we get into the show, I wanted to share with you why we do this podcast to grow our business and how you can do the same for yours. If you've got a B2B business you're trying to grow, start a podcast, invite your ideal prospect on as a guest, and use the time you have together to build a genuine business relationship. Then take the opportunity to create content together and publish it as partners in the marketplace. We've done this time and time again for ourselves and for our customers because it provides an authentic way to build a network and brand while avoiding outdated tactics like cold calling or cold email blasts. Plus, you'll be able to build brand equity with your audience that provides compounded results over time. For more information on how you can get started, check out www.strafire.com slash start your show. Welcome to The Startup Show, where each episode we sit down with founders, entrepreneurs, and marketers to discuss how they've grown their B2B businesses and share strategies and tactics that you can use to grow yours. You can keep up to date with new episodes by heading over to thestartupshow.us or subscribing on the podcast platform of your choice. All right, without further ado, let's dive into today's show. All right, we are back on the show. Thank you guys for joining us today. We've got John Ghost and Mark Phillips from Simply Spoken. Thank you guys for uh, coming on the show. Happy to be here. Uh, so we've got a little bit of a different mic situation, so they're going to be sharing one mic uh, unlike our normal episodes. But quick background on you guys. Uh, I know you've been in business together for a while, now getting into the voice space with Simply Spoken. Mark, how did you guys um, just give us a little bit of your background and, and kind of your, your journey to this point? Yeah, hey, thanks. Uh, well, I actually knew John through a long-standing corporate relationship that we had with GE. So we both worked at GE for many, many years, me on sort of the technology and the product management side, and uh, John came with a complimentary skill set. I'll let you tell, he'll tell you all about that, but... Um, I had a, a nice technology background, a healthcare background, and so we started a company together to attack some gaps in the healthcare space. And so if if you can imagine the difference between working in a, a large corporation and a small startup, it was a a very big reality shift for us. It was exciting though, so we we managed to build some great products at the Mount Sinai Health System in New York City. And these products actually attack the patient safety issues that happen in a lot of hospitals today. So we um, had a very successful kind of a startup journey there. And then John and I began to think about what was next. We attended a conference in New Jersey around voice. That was the voice summit. And that was sort of our hair on fire moment, as I always describe it, where we, we began to understand that voice might be the next big thing. So in between starting a healthcare startup, we actually started another company that looked at serving the senior living industry. And so we went to the voice summit conference with this idea that, Hey, voice seems like an interesting spot for senior living. You know, it's got a lot of interesting benefits, right? It's hands-free. You can use your voice. The seniors could benefit from that. 
And what we found at the Voice Summit conference was that voice really crosses every product, vertical, industry. So we got very excited about voice, and that led us to kind of start Simply Spoken as a as a way to attack that voice market. Cool. So, yeah, I want to hear John uh, John Ghost, aka John Wick. How did what even? Uh, why did you guys go to that voice conference? I mean, I know. Now it's kind of the name brand in terms of the voice space uh, in that circuit. But what attracted you guys to it early on? Uh, very simply, it was cheap. So <laughs> that voice conference was 30 bucks, 50, 76 bucks. Wow. I don't know. 1776? Oh, that yeah. was that what it was? It was there, and it was in New Jersey. And so we were super intrigued by a voice conference not in New York City, sure. Not in Manhattan, which is very odd. And then it was seventy-six bucks. And then when we found out it was at the New Jersey Institute of Technology, the tie-in with David Bitsky, who is the chief evangel- evangelist for the Alexa conference, actually attended that school. Okay, he was the keynote speaker, and so it sort of all fall- fell into place. So an interesting story there, though, is in the van. So we did not know the voice space at all. We leave the hotel that morning and get in the van, and there's two gentlemen in front of us talking. And lo and behold, as we look back, it was Bradley Metrock and Pete oh. Erickson, who Pete is the founder of the actual conference, and Bradley, and they're, they're heads down, fervently talking about something, who knows what. Mark and I are sitting in the back chatting with someone else, and the, you know the whole time we could have met like the two main people yeah. of the entire conference. <laughs> um, but that was that was really kind of why we went. I think Mark touched touched upon it a little bit. Was just to find out um, where Voice was. We were very intrigued. What came out of that event? That event is amazing. Uh, several tracks, multiple buildings, multiple couldn't couldn't see it all. Um, and and that that was probably one of the biggest things we learned. And the other one is that coming from the healthcare space to a space that is nascent and new and it's got a, a younger component in terms of just technological um, adoption. Um, we don't have to wear suits. In healthcare, you have to wear suits. Mm. So you could dress, people dress differently. Uh, people were much more open to sharing technology. The space is much more open to sharing of ideas. It's a very collaborative atmosphere. Different culture. Totally different culture. And so... Um, all of that was refreshing enough for us to say, hey, there's there's definitely something here. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah, Bradley, you mentioned, was uh, the guest on our second part of our voice series. And obviously, uh, you guys joining us here. So um, that being said, I know you guys are all in. You're working on the space. Uh, you're, you're coming up with products and ideas and everything like that. But I was sharing with you guys before uh, we started recording that it is a little uh, frustrating, I think, sometimes for... Uh, you know, there seems to be a lot of momentum. There seems to be a lot of excitement, a lot of conversation around the space. And yet at the same time, there's not always a ton of output or a real product that you can point to or things like that. So, um, Mark, t- talk to us a little bit about why, uh, you know, just what your views are on the space when you take a realistic look at it. Yeah, it's a great question. I think, you know, we are super bullish on the market. We're super bullish on what voice can do. But if just anecdotally you take the time to survey your your family, friends, and neighbors about what they're doing with voice, and let's be clear, I mean, a quarter of the U.S. population has access to voice through a smart speaker now, so there's a lot of momentum 
in the voice space. There are a lot of people that have voice assistants and voice capabilities, but if you ask those guys, what are you doing with voice? Well, you might get an answer like, you know, I, I play music with mm-hmm. voice or I, I do things. But if you look at what people are doing where they're enabling actually skills or actions or these, these voice capabilities, voice apps, if you will, very few of those guys are actually doing that. And so there are some, some wrinkles or some challenges to get across, and one of those is just discoverability, right? So if you have 80,000 skills in a skills store, how do people find you? How do people know that you have an app out there? And there are a variety of things you can do for that. But And so you see people nibbling on voice. You see brands that begin to nibble on voice out there. But I think the enthusiasm that you might get at a voice summit in New Jersey is not kind of matched by the adoption of the true promise of voice, which is voice everywhere that can can actually change the way that you interact with computing technology, basically. That is not um, has not been realized yet. I think we're still probably a good 18 months away from sort of that kind of adoption in the marketplace. So... For us as a a startup and a small, when you say that type of adoption, sure, kind of dig into that a little bit, like because you did, like like you just said, there's there's what is it, a quarter of yes. the population has the device, exactly. So then, so then, what kind of adoption are you referring to? Well, what I'm really thinking about adoption as enabling capabilities provided not by the smart speaker vendor but a third party, and that third party might be a third party that provides a special capability beyond just listening to music or things like that. And so I think we need to get people to use these devices for more than a sophisticated uh, music player, right? Mm -hmm. And so maybe just a, a small example of that would be, you know, if I have the ability to enable something like, a popular use case now is a smart home use case, right, where I can turn off and on the lights or control my environment. So a lot of people still don't know that you can do that. It's a popular example. Or a, a small business that might want to expose things like the hours that they're open or the services that they offer or things like that where we talk about meeting customers where they are, which is the ability to basically be there in any channel, right? So you have standard, you know, vanilla channels that we've had like your website or your podcast or your YouTube channel. Well, now, you know, consumers have this additional channel where they can ask something about your product or your service, and Mm -hmm. we want to be able to meet those customers with functionality, and they need to know that they can actually get to you through that channel. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. So it's essentially the the market desire we know is there because people are buying the the products, but it's still that infrastructure that needs to be built in order to. It's like all all the growth that's happening in big cities right now, Atlanta or whatever. People are there, but we have to build the roads and the the systems in order for them to be able to actually move around and and function uh, on this new ecosystem. Exactly, and that and the and the things that that do get built have to be non-trivial. They have to be things that offer utility and value. Mm -hmm. So they they have to be things that actually 
people want to use. So they have to, one, know that they're available to them, then they have to use them, and then sort of the holy grail is they have to actually say, I like these things, mm -hmm. right? So they have to rate these things on the various vendors product stores so john you've spent a lot of time uh both of you but, but i know you've spent some time that's how we met at one of these voice events down in atlanta um and have been going to this uh, conference in jersey going to the alexa conference what what types of people are you coming in contact with and are you um engaging with in terms of actual work being done in the voice space right now who are you seeing make progress I think I think the way so the way that we so it's a, I'll answer the question in two ways but the first way is is exactly your your question is who who are we seeing um, work in the voice space and then who are we seeing that has interest in voice two different kind of ways to look at it okay. the f the folks in the voice space today are various but they are not just programmatic resources they are not they are technologists m many of them many of them may have what we would call a generic domain expertise for like maybe amazon web services or python or some of these programmatic backgrounds but then we also see the digital media companies and so this idea of branding um which really goes back to what mark said about where is voice today it's really at the branding level is how how are how are consumers going to find a brand? And today, Amazon disintermediates that completely because brands aren't in the voice space. Mm -hmm. And so that's part of the problem. So who's in the space? We see drama majors, art majors, copywriters, people with language arts degrees, all building conversant voice type of experiences. Um, who, are the in, who, are, who are the folks that really raise their hand and say, I'm interested in what you have to offer when, when you talk about voice? Tell me about voice are the digital marketing companies or chief marketing officers um, or business dev officers or folks that are innovation folks that know that voice is another way to reach their customers. So anybody that has any foot or toehold um, or eye on what they want to know about their customers or, or want to know more. So that can be analytically, that can mean customer journey wise. We can, you know, go through all the different cool buzzwords. Yeah, but, yeah. but it it's it's those folks that seem to be the most um, eager to hear, and those are also the folks that that are the, the easiest to kind of connect the two dots together mm -hmm. because they're they're thinking this way and they're thinking in terms of attention. They're already thinking that way. Yeah. Yeah. So then, I guess kind of alongside of that, and I think you made a good point. I mean, we met at an event which was hosted by an agency, yep. you know, trying to cultivate these ideas. Um, but what are you seeing, or if you're not seeing, why, you know, what is the obstacle for, obviously there's, like, it's easy for Chick-fil-A, quote-unquote easy for Chick-fil-A or Home Depot or whoever to get involved in the voice space because it's a, you know, financial investment and something that could be huge. But once we get past that really huge corporate Fortune 100, Fortune 500 types of companies, it seems like there's a little bit of an obstacle still for just your mid-market or um, startups, certainly, to be able to uh, leverage voice for their businesses. So not necessarily you know, as a services company making voice for whatever other companies, but for themselves. Mm -hmm. what, what are you seeing as that obstacle that companies are trying to bridge? I think one of the obstacles that companies, mid-sized, smaller-sized companies struggle with in general is 
uh, how to spend their marketing dollars and what the value is on that in return. And so for a small to mid-sized company, you're going to be in one of two modes. You're either going to be in a growth mode where you're risk-taking and you want your company to grow, or you're going to be in a stasis mode where you like where you are and the things that you're doing are supporting how, how big your company are. In either of those two places, the ability to to tie your marketing ad spend, whatever that is, if it's traditional paper, newspaper, digital, whatever, to what you need, your desire, growth sure. or stasis, um, adding a new way to do that can be somewhat of a hurdle because it's unquantifiable. So today, voice, there are no good statistics in voice that says if we build you a skill, that skill is going to attract X number of customers that translates into Y number of dollars. Conversion. So so even in the marketing space, which you're very familiar with, when you do digital campaigns, you know, the, the outcomes are there, mm-hmm. at least historically, that you can point to in terms of if I send a thousand people, I know my hit rate's going to be 3%, my open rate will be 2 and my conversion will be 1 Sure, you, know, you can track those things. In voice, we're not there yet. Mm-hmm. And so trying to tell that story is difficult. Um, the other piece of it, which I'm sure you, I would love for you to comment on, is this idea of telling a story, people resonate with stories. And, and so this, this new idea in digital marketing and media around storytelling and branding is still new to a lot of mid-size and small oh, businesses. Sure. Yeah. And they don't quite understand until you tell them a story. Mm-hmm. And so that is part of the challenge even with voice is that voice has a whole component where it's just storytelling, mm-hmm. right? It's listening to the radio. It's hearing neat stories. It's hearing – but having them think of their brand that way they don't think that way right they're yeah. trying to sell a, a couch yep. or they're trying to cut hair and that's their core thing mm-hmm. and so i think that's really one of the struggles that we've seen with is 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 trying to help them create this linkage that it's a, another way to reach their consumer wherever their consumer is because their consumer might be asking for them how do we prove that they're asking for them or and they will be asking for them they will. soon enough. Yeah. yeah. I, no, to your point on, on the storytelling, I mean, we have conversations. I talk about this openly on the, on the pod regularly, but uh, people are still afraid in certain respects about having a full-blown content strategy or um, investing in a social strategy because, well, we've ha- we have our sales team and they've returned XROI and, and I know they do. And so... How are you going to promise that you can make the same return? I think that's going to be the challenge, to your point, for the mid-market and for for startups because they can't necessarily go to an investor and say, if we spend, if I get $10 from you, I'm going to get $100 in return. Um, and so it's going to be interesting to see how that develops because that essentially is how social and the internet and every other big wave, uh, when those mid-market companies really got involved, I mean, brands were doing Facebook back in the day, but like, they didn't Facebook didn't start monetizing and scaling that until it was commonplace for every mid and small business to really get involved. So that's going to be um, interesting to watch. And I think it's a challenge that we have to keep uh, working through as marketers or as, as uh, voice professionals. So as you guys went through this journey and as you're continuing to do so, Mark, how do you, how would you advise, what lessons have you learned uh, for other entrepreneurs? And a lot of our audience is in the B2B space specifically, but just in general, um, you know, what are some of the lessons or the advice that you would give folks who are interested in coming into the space 
and knowing all the things that you've already laid out as, um, you know, caveats or just sure. the truth of the of the space, how can folks begin to uh, explore and, and figure out areas of opportunity for business? Yeah, it's a it's a great question. I think maybe there are a variety of lessons or learnings there. One thing I would say is that as a provider of, you know, voice experiences or a creator, the mix of talent that you need in your organization is really a little bit different than some other types of uh, businesses. Maybe if you provide a website or an app, you know, builder, the mix of, of talent is really about a 50-50 mix between, you know, creative, master fine arts, kind of storytellers, and, you know, hardcore kind of people that are programmers. So that's one interesting difference that maybe you might want to account for. I think the other thing that, you know, we always tell startups, whether they're in the voice space or any other space, is uh, if it will go twice as slow as you think it might, and it will take twice as much investment as you think it might. So that's that's don't come in there with uh, rose-colored glasses. It's a it's a difficult um, business to build. One thing I think is an, another thing that we talk about is we're sort of in a place where I would I would liken it really to early internet days where you're trying to actually sell a customer a website that doesn't really kind of understand what the internet is, right? So there's some road building to actually kind of create the awareness. And then you've got this kind of compounded by the fact that, you know, you've got these ROI challenges and things like that. But one thing I would say um, to folks that are trying to talk about that is, if you think about this as a business, there's a new channel out there. We, we have a, a country where 25% of the population is being trained to ask a voice assistant a question to do something, right? So we have, we're in the training phase with all these guys, right? And we're training them to ask a voice assistant to do something, primarily on a smart speaker, but now that drives people to use smartphones more to ask questions. So what we have is a population is asking their assistant to get them information. So you as a business, a small business, a medium business, a large business, want to be there when that, that consumer asks that question. So what I would encourage people is there's really two ways to think about that. There are two types of answers that happen in the voice world. So you'll hear that described as first party and third party, not to be confused with first person and third person in, in your English class. First party being, I'm Google, I'm Amazon, I provide an answer because you asked me something. Third party being, I'm a business and I've created one of these voice apps, these skills or actions that can answer a question. Now, would you rather someone ask if they can find an orthodontist that takes their insurance that's within five miles, would you rather Google bring up a Wikipedia page about how orthodontistry works, or would you rather have your own voice app answer that question for you? And so businesses start to, they start to be able to grab that. Oh yeah, no, I don't want the Wikipedia page. I want to give them my own content, my own branding. 
I want to speak with my voice when customers ask that question. So I think that's that's really an important thing. Yeah, it's really early days, like we were talking earlier about early days um, search, you know, coming, going back to that. So just I know it's a, a little bit of uh, complicated, but just touch briefly on what you were explaining earlier about that intent. Uh, intent-based search or however whatever that term was exactly um, so now uh, if there's a, a concept called discoverability in the voice space which is basically can consumers find that specialized app when I ask a question and these vendors Amazon Google and others have techniques one technique that Amazon uses is called can fulfill intent and basically if you think about SEO, it works a lot like that. So you, as the builder of a specialized app or skill, get to tell Amazon, hey, these are the kind of things I can do. And so you can use some very specific terms that will allow Amazon to, to understand, hey, I should tell them that they should go see the local orthodontist here because they ask for these particular terms when they ask the question. Mm -hmm. And so rather than giving you a Wikipedia entry, they'll give you the special skill for that orthodontist practice. Yep. Harkening right back to what we were talking about earlier uh, yep. in terms of search. Yep. So, uh, John, you, you guys of the three part series, and, uh, obviously this is our, our last little mini piece on the, uh, on the voice mini series, but you guys are, are really the first people we're interviewing. I mean, uh, the other folks are really well-versed in the industry and are, um, you know, doing a lot of things from a high level, but you guys are kind of rolling up your sleeves, actually getting into the mud and, and trying to build a product here. So tell us what you're building with Simply Spoken. That is a great question. <laughs> um, so our attempt is going, is, is kind of a twofold thing um we are going to build um well so let me back up so strategically the way that we look at the voice space is that we we can't do it by ourselves so we need partners and the reason we need partners is much to what mark just described is that there are different types of people in this space so when we think when a business wants to think about voice you know really what one way to get further faster is partner and another you know there, there are various ways to do it but we need partners um, and we're going to partner with certain um, organizations and certain verticals. Um, the output of that will be conversational voice design sessions, education sessions, and actual working sessions to produce a product. And that product will either be a skill, an action, or both, um, probably on some sort of open source platform. And then what that will do is that what we really uh, foresee voice needing is a set of analytics that we can then take to these markets across or down, so vertical or horizontal, that have a, a higher propensity to provide value to what we would have called those mid to smaller businesses. Mm -hmm. So we want to be valuable and we want to be, be voiced to be seen as not only omni-channel, but as a real outcomes deliverer. So until we know those things, our goal is to partner with organizations where we can take that to scale. And what that really means is Mark and I, we have ha backgrounds in healthcare as we're going to build some healthcare um, skills and skills are not third. It's a third party skill, but it's a first person. And what we mean by that is a third party skill is basically just generic advice. We would build a third party skill where we're actually telling somebody something to do. Mm -hmm. 
um, which is a little bit more prescriptive, but it certainly delivers higher value. Then we're going to measure that. Out of that would be born some sort of platform that we would take across all the verticals that would be able to help us to deliver some sort of conversational um, experience that's translative across um, multiple markets. I think, that, I think that hits that on the head. Um, so that's kind of our go-to-market strategy. Um, so just to sort of simplify that, you guys are going to work uh, with given partners. Let's just take healthcare for an example. A partner within healthcare um, that really can show you guys some scale so that when you do deploy a skill or an action, you're going to be able to see where the use cases lie, uh, what the hot button issues are, and then potentially dig down even further and say, okay, now we know that uh, in-home care, you know, the the need for a car ride in in-home care or whatever the use case is, is applicable. So now we can take that and productize it in order to serve every in-home uh, care agency that Correct. exists in Chattanooga or Atlanta or Minnesota or whatever. Correct. Yeah. So we're, that's where the partnership comes into play sure. is we're, we're, we're small enough. We, we want we want to partner with folks that want to build something and they want to, they, they have a, an audience that they know a lot about and they're willing to try out new technologies to help provide a better experience for that, that, uh, captive population. Yeah. And I think the thing you guys were describing earlier that's so powerful about that model is that not only are you going to have the data from the actual, uh, value or product or whatever that you're delivering, but you're also going to have the um, error data that you were talking about. And so if you're an entrepreneur thinking about how can I use voice for this, what they were explaining, you guys can explain it now, but essentially talk a little bit about that, how um, it's both the positive and also the error. I'll let Mark talk. (laughs) Hey, so I think voice is unique as a medium in technology in that the things that users ask for that you can satisfy are important, but the things that users ask for that you don't have an answer for are equally important because this gives you insights into the types of things that users find valuable, and that in turn gives you a very nice set of feedback for enhancements to whatever capability that you're going to provide. So, for example, if you're if your customer consistently is asking you for a time of an event that you don't actually support already, you can simply add that to your functionality. And then what you have is you have a, a gold mine of, a, of data about what customers want. And then you have the ability to iterate that and provide that capability. And then the, the beauty of that is that if you see that in one customer environment, it's very likely that that actually will translate to another customer environment. So you actually get, you know, it's got a kind of uh, exponential good good effect to it. Yeah, so Beautiful. Tell, us, tell us the example about the greatest city in the world, um, <laughs> Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, you were, you were <laughs> mentioning right. earlier. That's right. I remember uh, uh, they rolled a skill out in uh, Philly where you could basically order a beer and have it brought to you, right? Rather than the beer guy coming by with it or the beer girl, if, if you will, you would be able to order a beer and they'd bring it to your seat. Well, what they found in the error logs is that people were trying to order peanuts using this skill. So they were able to very rapidly iterate and add this functionality 
And so they were able to serve their customer very well, very quickly. They added the functionality, boom. Just great. I mean, this, this can happen. It is a beautiful, beautiful capability that you don't get via the web. Just to add two cents to that, just to, for reality's sake, who in their right mind doesn't eat peanuts with beer? I don't know. But wh whoever designed that skill, they must the have run out of cash or something because... Because everybody knows if you're gonna drink a beer, you gotta have something to do with your hands. Yeah, yeah. Listen, we're not here. Just to, saying, we're not here. We're here to hold Philly up in the limelight, <laughs> not not disparage. But the, I think the application there, despite the common sense that was lacking, is that the the data there for an entrepreneur in their specific you know use case is extremely rich because maybe I am asking for in-home care, I'm asking for rides, and that's something that can be provided. But maybe I'm also asking that, hey, I fell and I can't get back up. And even if that isn't something that the skill or action can handle right now, just having that record, you guys then can, can iterate and innovate on that. So, well, listen, guys, I really appreciate you guys joining the show. Uh, anything that you guys want to add before we sign off here? Hey, no, maybe just a quick plug. We've got yeah. a uh, Simply Spoken daily flash briefing where we talk about all things voice. It's two minutes a day. We deliver that via the Alexa platform. So um, we'd be honored if you guys would tune in. We provide that every weekday. And I'll, I can link to that, right? Sure. Simply yeah. Spoken on Voice Daily. Yeah, yep. I'll, I'll link to that in the show notes as well. Um, but otherwise, really appreciate you guys coming on the show, and um, we'll uh, we'll be sure to catch up soon. Thank you. Cheers. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a five-star review, or feel free to send any feedback you have to adam at strafire.com. Until next time. Stop.